When we say call us at Doty Legacy Group, the key word is legacy. It's all about taking care of you and getting it to the next generation the best way possible. Call us at 660-885-8835. Welcome to First Baptist Clinton this morning. We are grateful that you are here today as we worship together, honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. We have had a great week of just focusing attention on the mission of Christ and hearing from missionaries all across, from all across the world, really. And it has been a wonderful celebration of our mission to make disciples near and far by loving people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And so we are grateful you're here this morning to uh, worship with us. If you uh, are a guest, thank you for choosing to worship with us. If you're in the room, you'll find the connection card. We worship through giving at the end of worship. So the ushers will be at the door with the offering plate as you go out. Just drop that in the offering plate. If you join us online, uh, you may text us, new to FBC to 97,000, or go to the website. Um, we are a praying people. Let me encourage you to share prayer requests with us. It's on the back side of the connection card. Please just share your prayer requests. Again, just place them in the offering plate. Or go to the website and, or the app and choose the prayer wall and post them there and pray for others who are, who are posted there. So we are uh, grateful to you uh, for being here this morning and, and to joining us in our worship. Now, I have, one, I have one thing I need to do to help you have a better experience, not just this week, but in the days ahead. Look in your worship program, and in your worship program, you're going to find the Rise and Respond Commitment Slip. So all week long, we've been preparing for this morning. And now you get the opportunity to give your yes. So we're going to ask you to consider today, while we're worshiping, a commitment to pray, a commitment to go, a commitment to give. And again, this is a faith commitment offering where we commit over and above our tithe, just what God, what we believe and trust God to provide. And, and you, you'll see that uh, in the, on the slip. And a commit to lead uh, and be involved in our reaching Henry County, our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, North America, and the ends of the earth. So I want you to begin, even in this moment, praying about your commitment. At the end of the worship service, our missionary guest will be up here at the front of the building. And so when, when it comes time, you'll bring your commitment slip to whichever one of the missionaries you choose, and they'll pray with you over your commitment. Um, let's this morning stand and praise him.
Everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. You want them to sit? All right. You may be seated. Good morning. I have some helpers today. Okay, we've been talking about missions all week, and this is your first chance to put it into action. Okay? A uh, week from today is Trunk Retreat here at the, uh, I almost said the school, here at the church. Uh, trunk Retreat will be from 6 to 8 next Sunday night. I know that many of you have signed up for that. I thank you. Some of you have not had the Lord's call placed upon your heart yet, and uh, it's going to happen. So just go ahead and sign up if you would. And uh, 
I just want you to know that we, it's, it's a tremendous ministry, tremendous mission within our community. Uh, 12, 1,500 kids will be through here, and it's a great opportunity to get them in the building and get information to their hands. Uh, the screen is wrong. Mr. Doty's going to come up. He's actually Doty, Doty of the Week, Deacon of the Week. Uh, I'm Deacon of the Week next week. And uh, I just want to say it's a, a great day. Uh, I don't know that uh, the Prairie Baptist Church has anybody in it today. Uh, and Bobby, good to see you here, buddy. So come up here, Galen. Well, I had all kinds of things to say, and the pastor said, don't say anything, just pray. So let's bow, and let, let me say a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for this week and for the excitement that we've had with um, the missionaries, Father, that you have a call on their hearts, and it's obvious to all of us that they have truly been called and are doing your work in these different parts of the world, as well as right here in Clinton. And Father, we pray that you would guide and direct us to not just come to this building and say this is the church the church is the people help us to go out and be the people be the feet and hands of jesus help us to point others to you forgive us when we fail you i ask this in jesus name amen trying to get our cues together here this morning and I did say that to Galen. He is not exaggerating. <laughs> I appreciate what the guys have to say, but some Sundays we just don't have time for it because we want to give Ron plenty of time. When, it, when it's me, I adjust, but I, I cannot adjust Ron. We're here to celebrate the baptism of Owen Brown, and it's an exciting morning. Owen, come right in the water here, buddy. And if you're here this morning, part of Owen's family and friends and support group, would you please stand? Okay, just okay. Look at look out at the crowd. See the people standing for you. Okay, yay God! All right. So we'll let you all be seated, so the people behind you can uh, can see. Owen, what confession brings you to these waters? Jesus is Lord. You are right. So we turn your air in. Okay. Owen, based upon your profession of faith that Jesus is the Lord of your life, and by the authority of the church, and in the name of Jesus, I baptize you as my brother in Christ. Okay. Amen. Yay, God. Oh, and you are buried with Christ and raised to walk a brand new life in Jesus. Yay, God. Yay, God. Amen. That's what Acts 1-8 is all about right there. Let's all stand together and read our gospel reading aloud together. This is from Mark chapter 10. We're continuing in Mark. And uh, let's read aloud together. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples Together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. 
But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Mark 10, 46 through 52. Amen. You may be seated. As we worship this morning, let's remember that we were like that blind man, unable to see. Thank you. 
Let's all stand together, worship as we read Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out carrying seed to sow will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Psalm 126, one through six. You. You may want to stand, but you know what? Let's be seated for a little while, and then anytime you feel like popping back up, I know this is up and down, up and down, and Roy just may want to do his own thing there. Feel free to just stand when you feel led.
Stand against us if I 
Yeah, God, I want to introduce you to one of my best friends, Ron Crow. Ron's not a stranger to us. Uh, he was here at one of our early Acts 1-8 celebrations as of one of our missionary guests, currently the state director of disaster relief for Kentucky Baptist. Welcome, Ron Crow. Thank you so much. It's so good to be with you today, and, and uh, what a joy it is. And it's been a joy to, to get to know your pastor over these years. And as he said, that was really one of our first big times where we met through disaster relief, but got to come here and experience that. In fact, I think the very first time, uh, many of you remember my sister and brother-in-law, Teresa and Ryan Huff. They yeah. attended this church uh, back when it was downtown. And uh, so we visited with them. That's where we first mm -hmm. met. And then through the disaster relief ministry, Randy and I have become very good friends and, and uh, have just enjoyed together, been on some trips together. And so what a joy it has been. And I've got to hear the journey uh, of relocating. And uh, I prayed for Randy a lot during that. We built a building. Uh, I was a pastor at First Baptist Diamond, Missouri for 16 years. And uh, we built a building there. So I, I shared in his struggles. <laughs> but it was good. God is good, isn't he? And, uh, and God has uh, taken us. We left our family and grandkids. Uh, we have three grandsons, one on the way. We left them back here in Missouri, and we have moved to Kentucky. That has been the most difficult part, but God is blessing because God is good. And when God calls you, you respond. Amen? And that's what we've got to do. I remember when we first got married, and uh, my wife was the first one that I told that God was calling me to ministry. She opened her big mouth and told our pastor, and uh, pastor come and talk to me and through all of that the lord convicted me and i surrendered to ministry had no clue what that was as a 20 year old man no clue what i was getting into my first position was at the home church that she was born and raised in and she said she said i'll support you 100 just don't ever ask me to leave this church and so we uh we knew when the time came, God called us to a new ministry, and she knew it was right. She left. She said, I'll follow you anywhere. Just don't ever ask me to be a pastor's wife. God called me into the pastoral ministry, and uh, she looked at me, and she says, I will never say, don't ever ask me to be a missionary's wife. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow, that's what we're doing. But we knew when God called us, to the work that we're doing each time, and especially this last time, because this was a big step to leave our family to go. We knew without any question that God was calling us to this new work to go, to rise and to respond. And I felt like Abraham, I'm going to lead you to a land that I will show you. We had no clue what was going to happen next, but God is good when we say yes. And, and we respond to that. So I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and be turning to Acts chapter 9, if you would. Acts chapter 9. And I want to talk to you about rise and respond, because that's what we're called to do. And we're going to look at one individual that you know, Saul, who was called to rise and respond and to go from what he was doing in the past to what God was calling him to do in the future. And God is always trying to get us to rise and respond, is he not? He's always, whether it be for the moment, for a temporary thing, or for a vocational call, or a lifelong call, God is always calling us to rise and to respond. And what I have found is that God has ways of getting our attention. Have you ever noticed that? Some of us need a 4 by 4 over the top of the head to get our attention at times, right? Sometimes we see that. Sometimes He gets our attention through suffering. 
And sometimes we wrestle with that difficulty and pain. Think about it for a moment. When, when, God get, when you've grown the most in your faith is through difficulty or struggle or heartache, and, and you are grown closer to God through those times because he calls us through those times. Also through supply. He supplies our every need, and he gives us gifts. He gives us abilities. He gives us finances. He gives us resources and talents and gifts to be able to be used for him. He supplies us with those things and calls us to respond, rise and respond to him, but also through surprises. Have you ever been surprised by God? Has he ever come in an unexpected moment, in an unexpected way, maybe through an unexpected person, where he gets your attention, calling you to rise and respond to an occasion? I've had that happen in my life many times. That it comes when you least expect it in unexpected ways, and so he calls us. And as we consider the life of Saul, later named Paul, let's notice his progression as he was called to rise and respond. And through these, th these three things I just mentioned, through suffering, through supply, and also through uh, surprise, God got his attention in those ways. So look with me, if you would, at Acts chapter 9, let's beginning in verse 1. He said, Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And it came about as he journeyed, he was approaching Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and it shall be told to you what you must do. And the men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, neither ate or drank. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man who named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard about many about this man, how much harm he did to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon thy name. Can you imagine what he's going through right there, what he's thinking? The Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. To bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias departed and entered the house. And after laying hands on him, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he arose and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. Father, I pray your blessing and your power upon your word today. May these be your words to our hearts today. In the power and name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
I love the story that we see here in the conversion, and we often say, well, this is the conversion of Saul, and simply put, but there's so much more here. But very quickly, I want to go through and kind of break this down for you as we consider the rise and respond as we see here. First of all, we see his miraculous conversion. We see a miraculous conversion of Saul that's taking place here. And so in this, we see his passion. In fact, as as you look at uh, chapter 8, verse 3, just turn back one page or so. In verse number 3, he says, But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women, and he would put them in prison. We often think about passion as something good and something we're driven toward. Here he was passionate about harming and persecuting the Christians. He wanted them destroyed. He wanted them bound, and this is where he was. He was born in Tarsus. He was a a prominent Greek city. He was... Uh, the, had the best education possible. He was very religious. He was a royal priesthood blood. Uh, he was a Pharisee. He was a member of the purest strain of the Jewish religion. He was very intelligent. He was well-educated. He was passionate about his mission to destroy and persecute the Christians. Took great pleasure in it, uh, as, as, you, as we think about it. We can't imagine that, but that's what he does. And even though he was full of religion, let me tell you something, religion will not save you. Religion has no value. A relationship with Jesus Christ is what will save you. And so he was empty spiritually. He was dedicated on the, uh, to God on the outside, but he was empty on the inside. He was defeated on the inside. He refused to deal with the emptiness, but instead he gave, uh, gave way to destructive behavior. By the way, for those who struggle with doubt, those who, who resist the call of God will often lash out at others, and that typically is a common response. And, and they want to lash out. They want to be mean. I remember one individual uh, that I knew years ago. He said, I had Christians. He, he worked at a truck stop. I had Christians come and try to witness to me, preachers. And he said, I could destroy them with my words. And he said, I loved doing that. But he said, let me tell you something. He said, I never forgot a word they said. I found that interesting. And finally, one day during a revival, he received Jesus, and it transformed his life and his whole purpose. Saul had a passion, but he also had a purpose. What was his purpose? In verses 1 and 2, Saul felt that his purpose was to persecute, and ultimately his goal was to defeat the Christians. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to destroy them. But listen, God doesn't see what we are. He sees what he wants us to become. Did you hear me? God doesn't just see who we are at the moment. He sees our giftedness and our abilities, and he sees what we can become. And if we would surrender, rise and respond to God's call in our life and say yes to him, not even knowing what that may look like, but say yes to him and let him call us and say, yes, here am I, I will go. He will equip you and do mighty things through you, things that you never thought possible. He sees what we can become. You think of all the disciples that he called. Some of them were evil. Some of them were hated. But Jesus didn't see who they were at the moment. He saw what they could become. And that's what he sees in you today. He doesn't see who you are at the moment. He sees what you could become. And maybe you can't see it, but I'm telling you, surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. What little I have, use me. But then we see his profession. In verses 3 through 8, we find the conversion of Saul. 
and what a unique, surprise, unexpected moment we find in his life. God was calling him to rise and respond. That's what he was telling him to do. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and respond and enter the city. Verse number uh, 6 there. He says, and it shall be, and it be told you what you must do. The men around him saw, heard all this, but they did not see it. But this is what was happening. The first call of God for any of us is to rise and to respond unto salvation. And this is what the Lord was calling him to do. Rise and respond. I want to transform your life, Saul. I, want to, I see what's in you, but I want to use it for good rather than for evil. Rise and respond. And the call, and our first call is a call to salvation. To rise and respond to that call. And let me tell you something. When you pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it will transform your life. I remember as a 10-year-old boy, I, and I can tell you the story, but I was raised in a good Christian home. But I was still lost. But as a 10-year-old boy, I knelt down beside my dad's bedside. He had the Bible in his hand, and he was sharing with me the gospel and the plan of salvation. Here, here is the mental image in my mind. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember there was 100 freight trains coming at me and going to hit me at any moment. That's exactly what I felt like. But when I prayed to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, here's the mental picture that immediately came. It was peace like a river. There is a peace that passes all understanding, and it begins to transform your life. So we see his miraculous conversion, but then we see his ministerial calling. There's a ministerial calling. His call was clear. As you look there at verses 4 through 6, the, the Lord is calling him. He was very clear in his call. Here's what I want you to do. You're persecuting me, as you're looking here, and I am telling you, rise and enter the city, and I'm going to tell you what you need to do. His call was clear. Let me tell you, if we would just listen to the Lord instead of listen to everybody else, going to the bookstore and getting the self-help books and everything else, let's pick up the Word of God who has the answers for everything in life. Amen? Everything in life. If we go to the Word of God, we'll see that it will transform our life, and we'll see that God's call to us is clear. But not only that, it was very concise. His call was concise. It was, he got to the point there in verse 15 and 16, as you look at that. He says, go, uh, said to him, go for there is a chosen instrument of mine, bear his name. He's telling this to, to Ananias, but he's saying, I've got a purpose for him. It was very direct. It was very clear. It was concise. He got to the point. He didn't beat around the bush. And here it is. Here's what I need you to do. And I see that often when God calls us. He doesn't give us all the fluffy little details. He's just saying, will you trust me? By the way, do you trust God today? Do you really trust God? If I was going to ask you today, this afternoon, I need you to go with me to help me do something today that's going to make you uncomfortable, but I need you to go. Will you go with me? What's your first question? What do you want? You're not going to go with me blindly, are you? But let me tell you, God is calling us. Do you trust God? If you really trust God, when he says, I need you to go with me, will you? And it will always be good. Yes, it may make you uncomfortable, but we see that. But then we also see that his call was convicting. It was convicting in verse number 17. He mentions this. Ananias departed and entered the house and saying, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus has appeared to you on the road by which you were coming and has sent me that you may regain your sight, that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. His life was changed and he had a new conviction in his life to go and proclaim the name of Jesus. He was called to rise and respond. But then we see his missional confirmation. And this is the part I love after one becomes a Christian. 
we find the confirmation of a changed life, just like Saul did. First, we see that he experienced a transformation. There was a change in his life. He experienced the conversion. And let me tell you, when the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, comes and indwells the believer, by the way, the moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God indwells you immediately, and it changes you. There is a transformation that happens. Your whole mindset, your whole way of thinking changes, and you get rid of that stinking thinking. And he experienced this transformation. And when you experience that, and I remember as a young boy when I prayed and I experienced that, that moment, went from the hundred freight trains to that peace like a river, I knew something was different in my life. I didn't know everything about it, but I knew something was different. He experienced that transformation. But then we see that he expressed the proclamation. Notice verse number 20, and notice this. Immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. I love new believers because they can't be quiet. They can't, they can't be quiet about their faith, nor should they. What happened to us as believers who've been Christians 10, 20, 30, 40 years or more, and we're not proclaiming Jesus like we did? I remember Stan Bernard. He resisted the gospel over and over and over, resisted it, resisted it, resisted it. And finally one day, and it was through the disaster relief ministry at our church, Matter of fact, during the ice storm, he prayed to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. About two weeks later, he came to me and he said to me, I know the Bible talks about you shouldn't brag, you shouldn't boast. But he said, Preacher, I can't stop bragging about Jesus. Is that wrong? I said, Stan, you, you brag on Jesus all you want. And we need to be doing that. And this is what was happening. We see a whole new change in his life. And now he's expressed proclamation, preaching the name of Jesus. And then he enjoyed the confirmation, the confirmation that comes. And he enjoyed the realization that his conversion with this Christ was very real. And as he began to preach, he began to see the evidence of God all around him. And I'm telling you, when you do that, when you, when you say yes to Jesus, and he begins to work in your life, it will transform your life. He went from one being called to rise and respond to the one calling others to rise and respond. And that's what we're all about, is to, to rise and respond. But what would have happened if Saul had said no? What would have happened if Saul said no? He wouldn't have experienced the things that he experienced because he said yes. What if Saul had just adjusted the plan? Well, God, I like your plan, but let me, let me put my little tweak in it. Do we ever do that? Of course we do. What if Saul said, I will obey you for now? And many times we'll obey God on the front end, but as time goes by, we, we get a little lazy, and we're no longer really following in obedience to what God has for us. We've got to be careful of that. We've got to rise and respond. And when you recall the things that Paul experienced throughout his life and throughout his ministry, listen, it wasn't always easy. It wasn't always easy. Sometimes it was even hard. Sometimes it was even life-threatening. But it was always abounding with blessing. I, I, obviously, we're passionate about disaster relief ministry, aren't we, Randy? Passionate about it. There have been some things that have been very, very hard that we've had to do. The Ritter last year, we went to uh, respond. There was no, no, it was 98 degrees at night. 98% humidity, no water, no power, no electricity, no nothing. And there we are. It was hot, it was sticky, it was nasty, it was dirty. We had no food, we had no ability to cook the food at the moment. We were just kind of self-sufficient. It was hard, it was, it was a rough night, not much sleep. Let me tell you, through it, God blesses. 
and it makes it all worth it. That's what God does. But imagine the things that Paul experienced because he said yes to his call to rise and respond. In fact, if you look at Acts 19, verse 11, now God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul. Because he said yes, he worked some unusual miracles that were through there. And I'm telling you, when you say I w- yes to rise and respond, God will do some unusual things through your life. I think back over the years of ministry because I said yes when God called me to rise and respond. I have witnessed transformed lives. I have seen the very miracles of God. A man whom they were getting ready to pull the life support off. And they said, we're going to wait through the weekend and see if there's any change. There was no change throughout the weekend. Sunday afternoon, a group of people gathered around his his uh, window of his hospital room and prayed over this man. Monday morning, he woke up. There is the power of God, and we see the miracles that are there. After 16 years at Diamond, 366 we saw baptized, 240 other additions. I get to be part of that because of what God is doing because we have said yes to rise and respond. Men who have specifically prayed and who have said no to the gospel over and over and over, we've seen them get saved. The experience that I've had, so many of them through the disaster relief ministry, mission trips, relationships that we've built, all because... I was willing that one day as a young man at 20 years old to say yes when God called me to rise and respond, not having a clue what lay ahead of me. I look back over the scriptures. Men and women were called to rise and respond. You see, Noah never rained. Build an ark, Noah. He said yes, even though he is made fun of. Abraham, leave your homeland and I will take you to a land that I will show you. Moses, go deliver the children of Israel out of bondage. Joshua, This is the craziest thing. March around the city seven times and watch the walls crumble. What? you got to be kidding. We would probably look at God and laugh. No, Joshua said, yes, I will do as you have commanded. David, go fight that giant with a sling and a couple of stones. We see Isaiah, the Lord said, whom shall I send? Isaiah said, here am I. And notice how he said that, here am I. It wasn't a matter of location. That would have been here I am. He said, here am I. Choose me. I will go. Mary, chosen to deliver the Christ child, be it done to me as you have said. Imagine what she experienced. Peter, I will build my church, and I will use you as part of that. Listen, when you refuse to answer the call of God to rise and respond, you miss out on experiencing the miracles of God. But when you answer the call to rise and to respond, you will experience some supernatural things, things I can't even begin to explain to you, things that I can't even show you. Only God can do that. The supernatural move of God in ways that you can never imagine. Because how do I know that? Because I've seen it over and over and over and over. And in the days of ministry, when it gets hard and when it gets tough and when it gets rough, and when people are people, (laughs) have you ever noticed sometimes people can be negative? You ever notice that? And even when God is calling you and you're saying yes and other people will come alongside, why would you do that? And it comes down to this. I don't listen to men. I listen to God. Because this is what God has said. In fact, Randy, sometimes, frankly, it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm the one that God's calling. But I'm trusting. And if you'll trust the Lord when he says, rise and respond. And today he's calling you to rise and respond. You may be here today and have never placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's calling you to rise and respond to salvation. Say yes to him. Let me tell you, it will change your life. Maybe he's calling you to rise and respond to join this fellowship of this wonderful church that's very mission-minded. 
This is the kind of church I want to belong to, a church that understands that, that, that ministry, yes, happens here, but the ministry is out there. I remember John Marshall, pastor of uh, Second Baptist in Springfield. I remember him saying this. I'll never forget. He said, you know, uh, the, the, there's chores to do in the barn. You know, you always do the chores in the barn, but the work is always out in the field. And when you relate that to the church, there's always things to be done in the, in the barn, in the church house. But the work is out there. And God is calling us to the work. To the work. To the work. He may be calling you to rise and respond, to share the gospel with someone. Maybe a neighbor, a friend, or a co-worker. Be obedient to that. He may be calling you to rise and respond, to get involved in ministry or short-term mission trips or maybe vocational ministry, whatever it is. He may be calling you to rise and respond, to give of your tithes and your offerings beyond what you even begin to imagine. But let me tell you something. You cannot outgive God, period. Can't happen. But here's what I do know. Here's what I do know, without any doubt. He's calling us all to rise and respond to something. And this morning, if you are a born-again believer, if you're, not, if you're not saved today, he's calling you to rise and respond to get saved. Let it change your life. But if you are a born-again believer here today, he's calling you to rise and respond to something. And what he calls this gentleman here will be different than this one. And it may be different, but he's calling us to rise and respond. So what will you do? Father in heaven, thank you so much for your holy word and the power that it is. Thank you for the call that you put on all of our lives to seek us and to save us, that our lives will be changed. And Father, I pray this morning, at this very moment, Father, that you're placing a call upon people's lives, not just one or two, but many lives. And may we understand that your call is clear, it's concise, and it needs to be convicting. And we need to be willing to say yes. Even if we don't understand what lies beyond it, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. And I'm going to trust you for the future. So, Father, as we come to this time of invitation where we invite those to respond to the call you've placed upon their life, whatever it is, the call to salvation, the call to unite with this church, the call to follow you in believers' baptism, the call to missions, whatever it is, Lord, this time of invitation where we invite those to respond. Father, call us now, and may we say yes. In the power and in the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Stand together if you would. I want to extend an invitation that you come, you respond, however God is calling you. Your pastor is here to receive you. You so our, our missionary guests, please come and be here to receive folks who are bringing their commitment cards. Uh, Ron's, Ron has uh, issued a clear call to salvation. Let me just say, if you need this morning to confess Jesus as Lord, this is a great time to do that. We have people here who will assist you um, and pray with you. And, um, and so we want you to step out and come while we're singing. If you're here this morning and you're as a member of the church, it's time to rise and respond. It's time to, to write down your commitment and share it. What I know is you may make a commitment today in your mind and you'll never do it. But if you put it down on a piece of paper, you are more likely to do it. And so I just want to encourage you, write it down. Let's do this together. Rise and respond while we sing. You come.
bring your commitment card to the missionary maybe you've connected with this week.